Mother's Day. We'll talk a little bit about moms a little bit this morning. I want to read to you a job description. There's a job open. I want to know if you're, if you're interested in taking this job. I'm going to read to you the requirements of this position. You ready? There's only 20 that I could think of. There may be more. Fashion designer and coordinator, interior designer, decorator, recreation slash entertainment coordinator, educational specialist, transportation coordinator slash chauffeur, economic advisor, head chef slash dietitian, travel agent, pediatrician, psychologist slash counselor, Purchase manager, gardener, maintenance worker, house cleaner, secretary, early childhood specialist, head of public relations, director of conflict resolution, guidance counselor, and Bible scholar. That's it. That's all it takes to be a mom, right? Look at those lists of things that are there before us. We recognize that moms wear a lot of different hats, don't they? They do a lot of different things in our homes. And again, while maybe some of you have never had children, you're not a mother yourself, we know that our moms certainly invested much into us. In fact, it has been estimated that women who do not have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months each year of leisure time. The average mother spends approximately three and a half hours more per week during, during ho- doing housework than those who do not have children. They spend 11 hours per week engaged in child-related activities. This is an additional 754 hours of work every year, which equals the equivalent of three, uh, three months of 12-hour shifts five days a week. Moms. Investing tirelessly often into their homes and investing into their children. Some common challenges that often come from young mothers, people, moms with young children's face. Discouragement, loneliness, stress from too many demands on their time, lack of time with their husband, need for a role model, confusion about training their children. I was reading an article this morning on Mother's Day. It talked about that the fact that the root of modern-day Mother's Day predates the Civil War, and Anne Reeves Jarvis, who was involved in it, began something called Mother's Day Work Clubs. She arranged these to teach local women how to properly care for their children. We know that in Scripture, we are commanded, older ladies are commanded to teach the young And in our culture, we certainly know that being a mother has not gotten any easier. We know that it's gotten perhaps more complex and more difficult. Here are some comments from moms that I solicited this week. Let me read you five of them. It's difficult to always be patient and gracious, especially with small children who are more dependent than independent. My stage of life is repeat, 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 and then say it again. God is kind and gracious with me, and I need to respond the same way with my kids. Second one, at times, it's so demanding, remembering that it's not about me anymore. It's about them. Every day is a gift, though, and I would enjoy, I enjoy each stage of their life, and I try to savor every moment. One mom said it this way. She said, I'm not superwoman. 
I can't do it all. I struggle with the fact that I don't do enough. I feel guilty when my children straighten a room or load the dishwasher. I think that's my job. Why do they have to do it? I should be thrilled they have some self-motivation. There is always way too much mom shaming. We put out the vibe that we are holding it all together and we live this perfect life. But young moms and not so young moms, we need to know that we don't have it all together. God's grace gets us through those days when the baby won't stop crying. There's a deadline at work. No clothes are clean. Their dinner burned. The engine blew up in our van. We just lie and post pretty pictures of our awesome new painted wall, making sure to crop out the mess that's all around it. We edit life all the time. I like that statement. We edit life all the time. Number four, it's hard being a mom because you feel like you don't get a break. Being a working mother is hard. It's like going from one job to the next. Sometimes being at work is easier than being home. At work, your accomplishments are usually noticed and occasionally recognized, but this recognition doesn't always happen at home. The last one I would read to you, it's overwhelming to think of everything that needs to go into training a child, especially now when my kids are so small. Being a mom is a challenge for every mother. It's something that they are investing into the lives of their kids, into the lives of their husbands. I was thinking about this morning's message and thinking about it from the other perspective just for a moment. I know know it's Mother's Day, but think about what we have from men in Scripture. The book of Proverbs in particular, think about this. Proverbs offers a summary of instruction on choosing a person, a woman, that a man should marry. And there's really four things, if you will, as I read through the book of Proverbs to think about. Number one, avoid an immoral woman. The prostitute and the one who is promiscuous. Proverbs twenty-two fourteen: the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit, but he that abhorred uh, of the Lord shall fall therein. Number two, cultivate a strong relationship with your wife. Proverbs 5.18, rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Proverbs teaches us that there is agony in choosing a wife that is unwise. Proverbs 11.22, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Number four, instruction to fathers or to men, take joy in your wife. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, I was thinking this week about Mother's Day and what passage to look at. And we looked at instruction, if you will, that very briefly, but instruction that we find in the book of Proverbs that is given toward men, avoid an immoral woman, cultivate a strong relationship with your wife, there's agony in the bad choice of a wife, and take joy in the wife that God gives you. And I was hesitating to come to the text that we've chosen to look at today, and that's Proverbs 31. If you would, let's go to Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at verses 10 down through verse 11. Proverbs 31, 10 through 11, these are familiar verses probably for most of us. In fact, I'll just read for for the moment, I'll just read verse 10, and we'll come back and look at this We'll explain what it is in just a moment, but we'll look at this text really thematically through these verses. But verse 10 asks the question, who can find a virtuous woman? 
for her price is far above rubies. Now, let's get a little background of Proverbs 31 and and understand a little bit about what we are dealing with and what we're finding here in these verses. Proverbs 31 offers insight into the kind of woman that a man is to marry. Now, there is a debate about who wrote Proverbs 31 all the way down through the final verse. But if you go back to Proverbs 31, verse 1, notice this. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy or oracle that his mother taught him. We don't know who Lemuel was. There's argument that possibly he was Samuel, or not Samuel, Solomon. I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm working on the assumption, as most scholars would argue, we don't know who Lemuel was. We don't know. We don't know his exact identification. But in Proverbs, we have a very unique situation in that we have the words of Lemuel's mother. Much of Proverbs is actually given father to son, I'm going to come at this text from the understanding, and there's debate about this, that all of Proverbs 31 is, in fact, instruction that was given to Lemuel, and it was given to him by his mom. And so when we come to this text and we find this verse in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman because her price is far above rubies? Understanding that if, in fact, this is mom talking to son, the emphasis in these verses is on encouraging young men to recognize the kind of woman that they should seek to marry. It does not negate the fact that that this is a text that should inspire women to develop these kinds of characteristics that are described for us, and certainly that is a very real application of this, but the primary instruction is mom to son. It doesn't negate the fact that women should look at this text and try to glean from it and apply it to their lives and become the kind of woman that God is describing here in Proverbs 31, which we'll get to in just a minute. A little bit about the proverb, verses 10 through 31. It's a poem, first of all. Um, this is Hebrew poetry works differently than, than English poetry, but it is an alphabet of womanly excellence. Why do I call it that? Well, this is called an acrostic poem. What that means is simply this. If you were able, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way or anything like that, if you were able to read Hebrew and I were to put the Hebrew text up on the screen, What you would notice is beginning in verse 10, all the way down through verse 31, each line begins with subsequent letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The first one begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph, which would equal our A. It doesn't function as a vowel, however. A, B, C, D, all the way down through Z, they would be lined up in order based on the Hebrew letters, the Hebrew alphabet, and this poem goes in subsequent order of the alphabet of the Hebrew language. The poem is also arranged in what's called a chiastic structure, which basically means this. It is a series of parallel statements. And the parallel statement, in fact, culminates in a chiastic 
uh, arrangement, the emphasis comes in the middle, and the emphasis is actually verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land, that the emphasis is actually on public respect for her husband. Now, the poem is paying tribute to the faithful wife for the nurture and the extent of her influence at home, understanding that in the time in which this proverb was written, the husband often worked at a distance away from home, leaving his wife to manage the home. The poem begins and ends with a recognition of the woman's excellence. Verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but you, you're better than all of them. The word, a woman here rather, who demonstrates these qualities should be valued and her qualities of virtue, of strength, of noble character and industriousness deserve our respect and honor. The word virtuous, by the way, in verse 10, comes from the Hebrew word chayel, which means strength and might, virtue. You might say it this way. This is a description of competent strength. Virtuous speaks of a woman's excellence. It speaks of her moral character. It speaks of her ability. It speaks of her nobility. Who can find, the Proverbs asks, an excellent wife? And this question underlines her uncommonness and highlights the preciousness of such a person who demonstrates this kind of character. The design of this virtuous woman is designed to show what kind of wives women should make, and it also is describing, I would argue, primarily the kind of wife that a man should choose. The man who marries such a woman finds, in fact, a rare and precious jewel. Remember that proverb we read? We read through it rather, rather quickly. But Proverbs eleven twenty two, like a gold ring in the pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. He is going to talk about the mother, Lemuel. Let me show you what kind of wife you need to choose. And let me show you then what kind of person, what kind of character, Lemuel, you should be seeking after. And by the way, Lemuel, part of your responsibility of being a husband is to help develop your wife so that she develops into this virtuous woman, that she develops into this wife of excellence. So let's take a look at her this morning. Let's try to understand who this woman is and understand some characteristics of her. Number one, the excellent wife is dedicated to the well-being of her household. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. He begins this psalm, this poem, if you will, by noting that this excellent wife is trusted without reservation. Notice what it says. The heart of her husband trusts her. She is a woman who is faithful. She is a woman of character. In fact, this person is so trustworthy that the husband makes himself vulnerable before her. Notice he says that he gives her his heart. He understands that she is 
faithful. He understands that she is a woman of character. The husband gives this excellent wife his absolute trust. The excellent woman demonstrates her character by being diligent, by being consistent. Notice it says in verse 12, it says she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. In other words, this is a woman who can be trusted. She is faithful. She is diligent. She is a woman of character. Her husband trusts her. And notice her activity is to do her husband and her family well. She labors in love. She labors out of her character. The excellent woman performs good works and not evil. She is a positive influence and she is a positive asset to the home. He describes it a little bit more in verse 15. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She is laboring. She's not lazy. She's investing her time into the care of her family. Verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengthen her arms. She is ready to labor. She is ready to work. She has strength. She has the ability to accomplish the tasks that are at hand. She is prepared for caring for her family. By the way, this phrase, girding her loins, really is a military picture. She is a a person who has girded her loins as an expression of physical energy and physical power. The phrase used, is used along with this phrase, powerful arms, demonstrates that this is a woman of strength. She is a woman of physical strength. She is a woman of spiritual strength. She is a woman who is demonstrating herself to be strong, powerful, ready to fight ready to carry out what God has asked her to do. Look at verse 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands to the distaff. She is preparing to make cloth. By the way, just a little information on those words there. A distaff is a staff with a fork at the end that holds the flax or the wool that is yet to be spun, from which the thread is drawn when a person is spinning thread or yawn on a spindle wheel. A spindle is a rod with tapered ends on the thread and it's wound once it's spun by hand. The excellent woman has this range of skills that benefit her family. Look at verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow for her household and for her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She plans ahead. She is a person who is preparing for what is coming. It indicates here that she is seeing what's coming. The winter is coming. She's not going to be caught off guard. She's not going to be caught unprepared. Now, I know for me, winter's coming, snow starts, and you start thinking, well, it would be really nice if I owned a jacket right now. That would be a good thing. I have this innate ability to forget stuff like that. But you ask my wife, and she's got sleeping bags and, no, I'm kidding, not sleeping bags, but she's prepared. There's this preparation that she has, and that's the picture. This woman is prepared for what is going to happen, for what is going to take place. Notice in verse 27, she looks well on the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So when you think about this virtuous woman, the first thing is that she is dedicated to the well-being 
of her household. She is dedicated to the well-being of her household, and the, the poem pictures that throughout the text. Now, let's look at a second element, if you will, of this excellent wife. Number two, she contributes to the well-being of her household. Look at verse 14. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. Verse 16, she considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. Verse 18, she, per, she perceiveth that her merchant merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. Verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. We see that she is not only concerned with the well-being of her family, that she is dedicated to the well-being, but she is also contributing to it. Notice she is seen in verse 14 as gathering material. She's gathering these things. She's trading with merchants. She's using her gifts and her resources to benefit the family, to benefit the house. These resources would not be options of a typical wife who only relied on local suppliers to meet their needs. Verse 16, or 14 rather, shows us that she is industrious. She uses her business savvy to benefit her family. In verse 16, we see that in addition to her household responsibilities, the excellent wife undertakes other productive activities. Notice verse 16, she is pictured as buying land and taking her profits and planting a vineyard. She's industrious. She's laboring, she's working, she is using her gifts and abilities to benefit the home, to benefit her family. Notice verse 18. It says that not only that, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good and her candle does not go out by night. She's productive. She's willing to stay up late, finish the labors of the family. She labors tirelessly. And then in verse 24, it tells us that she is entering into commercial activity. Verse 24, it says that she is making linen and she's delivering it. She is active. She is out doing these things, using these things to benefit her home. So she is, first of all, she is dedicated to the well-being of her house. Secondly, she is contributing to the well-being of her household. But thirdly, she makes the household the center of her ministry. We, we think about all of that so far, and we say, okay, she is a, a woman of character. She's someone who can be trusted. She is someone who values character. But number two, she is industrious. She is working. She is laboring. She's not given to idleness. And we look at all of that, and we say, wow, what an amazing person. What an amazing woman. But notice, thirdly, It goes a step farther in that she uses the household as a center of her ministry. Look at verse uh, 20. It says, she stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Verse 23, her husband is known at the gates while he sitteth among the elders of the land. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness. Not only is she a person of character, not only... Is she industrious? Not only is she investing her energy and time into the benefit of the family, but she also is given to ministry. Notice what she is doing. In verse 20, she is expressing and showing concern for those who are outside of her home. She is reaching out to the poor, reaching out to those who were in need. 
verse 26. I'll come back to verse 23 in just a moment. The excellent woman is seen as a teacher of godly wisdom, a teacher of kindness. She is a person who is a moral example to her children and to her husband. She is one who is showing kindness and wisdom to all that she comes into contact with. One writer said it this way, she is clever, talented, industrious as she manages a household, cares for her family, and runs a side business. And I would add, and oh, by the way, ministers on top of that. Now, verse 23 is interesting because it says, and again, as I said, the the structure of this poem comes down to verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. We'll come back to this verse and, and we make applications in just a minute. But a number of years ago, I had, a, I had a, a wife come to me and she was kidding. But she said, you know, Proverbs 31 just really upsets me. I said, oh, why is that? She said, well, the lady is given all these jobs and all the husband is doing is sitting at the gate all day doing nothing. So, well, you are misunderstanding what that means. Uh, which, by the way, this verse is an argument against this being Solomon. He wouldn't be sitting at the gate. He wouldn't be seen in this picture. The picture here is he is a person of influence. He is a person who is involved in the politics of their day. He is involved in the well-being of the city. He has a huge amount of responsibility. So the picture here really is this virtuous wife is functioning and, and as, as a house manager and doing all these things to allow her husband to function where God has called him to function. It says he is known at the gates and he sits among the elders of the land. So her investment is allowing her husband to fulfill his responsibility. The husband of the excellent wife is able to devote himself to the matters and to the demand of his expertise as the wife manages the day-to-day operations of the household. And notice this managing the day-to-day operations of the household is not simply sitting around doing nothing. This person is active, not just in the home, but outside the home. Her husband is able to devote his energies to his community, to his professional responsibilities because of her ability to fulfill her role as his helpmeet. The wife's reputation and character enhances her husband rather than pulling him away from what God has called him to do. Now, not to get ahead of ourselves into application, but men, we have to understand that God uses you the way God uses you because your wife is helping you, allowing you the opportunity to do the things that God has called you to do. Marriage is not a competition. It is complementary. And here, this virtuous woman is seen as a person fulfilling her responsibilities and her role to the the place that her husband is able to function as God has called him to function. Now, the fourth one that we would highlight is this. The excellent woman makes God the center of her life. Notice verses 28 through verse 31. And this really, to me, this is where the rubber meets the road. Her children arise up and call her blessed, for her husband also, as he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, 
she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of, your, of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Notice verses 28 and 29 in, in this family situation, the members are recognizing the value of one another. Notice the children are pictured as being those who are blessing their mother. The husband is pictured as one who appreciates his wife. The wife shows respect for her husband. You see, these three parts, if you will, of the family, the wife reverencing her husband, showing him honor, respect by laboring at the home, allowing him to fulfill what God has called him to do. The children are praising their mother and showing honor to the mother. And may I argue that the reason the children are showing honor to their mother is because the dad is. It's very unlikely, dads, if we don't show honor to our wives and respect them as a woman who got the lady, the wife that God has given to us, why would our kids? And notice, he says, that when you look at this, he says that many daughters, they've done virtually, but you excel them all. And her children rise up and they call her blessed and her husband offers her praise. Man. The sweet fellowship of a home that is run the way God said it should be run. A home and well, you know, Christians just want their wives sitting home, uneducated, dumb, and doing nothing. How did you get that from here? She's not dumb. She's running businesses. She's not stuck in the house all day long. She's out serving people. She's out laboring. This isn't some antiquated picture of that was true thousands of years ago. This is what God's intention for the home is. A husband who lovingly leads his home and a wife who serves as a helpmeet and children who show honor and respect to their parents. This is God's picture. Verses 30 and 31, the excellent wife is a supermodel because of her relationship with God. Fear of the Lord, the the proverb says, is the foundation of achieving her other accomplishments. Charm, the writer says, can be deceptive and external appearance will fade. It has no eternal value, but the woman's appearance is merely external and does not always reflect the beauty of her heart. Physical beauty does not guarantee character. And he says that many emphasize physical beauty at the expense of inward development of one developing a beautiful spirit. It's an excellent woman's godly character in which she deserves praise and what makes this the supermodel of the Old Testament. Not because of her appearance, but because of her relationship with God, because of who she is before God, her character, her love for God. Longman writes this, he says, she is a woman who is defined not just by her actions, but also by her attitudes. She is confident in the light of threats to security and to the future in general. Her confidence rests in her wisdom. She knows how to stay out of trouble through preparations such as making warm clothes in anticipation of the winter. Her industry frees her husband up for the task important to his life. 
Waltke adds this, wise daughters aspire to be like her. Wise men seek to marry her. And all wise people aim to incarnate the wisdom she embodies, each in his own sphere of activity. Now, I asked some moms this week, what's your response to Proverbs 31? Let me read you four of them. Number one, one word, impossible. Number two, I wish I could be her. Can't see it happening. Where do I begin? Can I at least accomplish one or two and still get in on the title? It is the goal set to strive for, and maybe on my best days, I'm somewhere in the vicinity of being close to this. Maybe. Number three, will I ever be like that? I wish I found it encouraging, but mostly, it seems to highlight my failures. Number four, she's not perfect, but she has a purpose. I try not to focus on these things. She does, even though they're pretty amazing. But focus on her attitude and heart she has while she does these things. Isn't that troubling to some degree? Here's the point. Let's get this in perspective. This is a picture of the ideal. This section is a poetic description of the ideal woman. This is a picture of full-scale virtue and wisdom to which the faithful are willing to move toward. Yes, this is what God says as this virtuous woman and his husbands. He says, this mother to his son says, this is the person you marry. Well, if you're waiting to find her and your single man... You're going to be waiting a long, 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 long time. But if you're trying to find a woman who has character, who you can trust, a woman who says, I'm not that, but I want to be, I am moving toward that. I I have what he says. I am committed to God. And I am committed to growing into this. Understanding that an excellent woman embodies a wise, Christ-like character. The excellent woman finds her fulfillment in life from being a wife and a mother. The excellent woman is deserving of honor. And she is worthy for a husband to support her, to encourage her, to help her become an excellent wife. I hope, moms, you don't read this and pack it in. I can't do that. You're right. That's encouraging. But by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you can move toward what God has called you to do. Now, think about this. 
Let me just read you a couple of these. The best part about being a mom. I love this one. My favorite mom moments were those small things in life. Like listening to my kids laugh. What about this one? When your children start making right choices on their own. And you see your feeble attempts beginning to pay off. We've made it so complicated. We have edited life to the point that it should be this perfect little picture. I was thinking this morning, it really is a Photoshop culture, isn't it? We edit life to make it look perfect. I asked some moms, I asked them the question, what, what is one thing you wish your kids knew? Number one, that love isn't always expressed by giving you what you want, (laughs) not by God or by mommy. Number two, with all my heart, I want them to love, know, obey, and serve God their entire life. Number four, how, or excuse me, number three, how big their God is. Number four, how much I completely and fully adore them, how very much I want them to follow the Lord in all that they do and say, and that no matter what, I will always love them. Number five, God's grace and that we are to put others first. Number six, that I love them even when I have to make them do things they don't want to do. I'm really not trying to ruin their lives. Number seven, I love them and nothing can change that. Number eight, how even small children, their decisions today affect them tomorrow. I would say... Some godly wisdom in those eight responses, isn't there? And we we look at this list, and as husbands, our application to us is, it's Mother's Day, you're supposed to talk to moms, I know that, but but husbands, on this Mother's Day, our job is to praise her. Praise her. My wife's not perfect, Pastor. Neither are you, and neither is any other wife. In our grass is greener mentality, we think, well, that woman would be better. Get get real. Praise the wife that God gave to you. Imperfections and all. Show her the love of Christ. Show her how proud you are. That she's in the process. She's not perfect. She's not this. She's not the ideal. But she's moving toward it. Praise her. And then for wives, don't give up hope. The excellent woman is a godly woman who uses her abilities to the fullest extent that God allows her. The excellent wife is a key component component to the success of her family. And you, as a wife, as a mother, continue to press on. Read these verses, and rather than being discouraged by them and thinking, I can never do that, recognize that this is the ideal that God has set. This is what God wants you to strive toward. But develop the character. Develop the industriousness. Develop the ministry mindset. Develop this under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. Will you ever reach it, the side of heaven? No. 
But as we read through this, I picture the mother saying, Lemuel, let me show you. Hey, buddy, here's the kind of wife you need to marry. Not based on physical beauty, it's based on her character, and this is the kind of wife you want. Now, this is mom to son, but imagine mom to daughter. Honey, this is the kind of lady that is a supermodel in God's eyes. A young lady who it's not based on physical appearance. It is based on character. This is the kind of woman mommy wants you to be. Now, when's the last time we've thanked our moms for that? When's the last time we've thanked our wives and praised them for all that they have done for our family? Like Madam Wisdom is to be pursued, an excellent woman should be pursued by men as a wife and by women as a role model. Because God says the excellent wife deserves 